Hi everyone, welcome back to the Emotional Health Podcast. Um, we've got another interview for you today and this is with Fiona. This is actually the first time me and Fiona have ever properly had a chat and so you are getting to know her at the same time I'm getting to know her, which is really cool actually. Um, but she's so lovely and I know you guys are going to be really encouraged um, from this interview. It's all about her experiences um, with mental health and career changes and she shares some really, really helpful things um, if you are also struggling with your mental health. So do listen along um, and I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Emotional Health Podcast. I'm Lucy, the host, and this podcast is designed to encourage and equip you in your emotional health through education, interviews and real life experiences. Enjoy! Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast and today I've got the honour of chatting to the lovely Fiona Thomas on the podcast. Hi Fiona. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, of course, such a pleasure. This is the first time we're meeting um, too, which is really cool. So we just had a little um, sort of a little chat before this, um, but it's really fun to have you on and I'm really excited to get to know you some more along with everyone else as well. Guys, you're getting to know Fiona at the same time I'm getting to know Fiona, <laughs> which is really cool. Um, so thank you so much. And yeah, so obviously, as you know, where this podcast, we're going to talk about, you know, emotional health and all of that. But it's I always like to start with talking about um, who you are Fiona and so I'd love you to uh, share to me and to the listeners who are you what do you do how would you describe yourself and maybe sort of yeah a bit about your interests in the world of mental health yeah so I am a freelance writer and author I get to write full-time which I I cannot believe that that's my life like (laughs) it's if you told me this when I so I'm 35 now if you told me that any time before the age of 30 I would have been like nah like that really oh wow just didn't think it was just I thought it was a pipe dream even though like being a writer now you're like yeah of course you could be a full-time writer but back then I just thought it wasn't on the cards for me um so I studied music at uni and then I fell into a catering job as a 21 year old so I worked in catering management for like over a decade I had a mental breakdown when I was 26 and I was out of work for a year and just realized something something had to change at that point I went back into work and worked in catering but um basically I was just a waitress barista like low level low stress kind of thing and it was during that time that I started writing um for, for my mental health. So I started a blog and I started writing about fitness and health. And then after about a year of that, I felt a bit more comfortable talking about my mental health. And when I started doing that, my blog just started to feel like something I was really passionate about. And it started to get comments from people and engagement and emails from people just with people saying like, oh, it's so nice to hear somebody going through the same thing that I'm going through. So that was a real big, like, sign to me that I was on the right path. And also, selfishly, it was just really therapeutic. Like, really therapeutic to be able to make sense of what had happened to me in in my life and the kind of pain that I'd been through and rebuilding my life and all that kind of thing. The internet and having a blog was huge for me to, I say, like, to rebuild my identity after being in the kind of corporate world and then being like 
this doesn't work for me like it makes me it makes me ill so so yeah I've like I've suffered with depression and anxiety since I was 26 I'm 35 now and yeah mental health like it's kind of weird to say but it's like a big part of my brand like it's kind it's kind (laughs) of I I totally get that absolutely (laughs) yeah it's kind of what got me noticed in the first place um um, and yeah me blogging about mental health back in you know 2014 2015 there just wasn't many people doing it at the time so when when publications started to realise that mental health was a popular topic, I got asked to write for a lot of publications. I wrote a lot for Metro Online in the beginning. I uh, wrote a lot for Happy Full magazine. I've written for Grazia, uh, all these kind of places. Um, so yeah, mental health was definitely my kind of like thing in the beginning. And it is the thread that runs through everything that I do. Um, my, my first book, Depression in a Digital Age, is the story that I've just kind of given you the the, the quick mm. <laughs> kind of rundown mm, yeah. of there that's what my what my memoir is about is about social media and the internet and how it helped me recover from mental he- men- not mental health from mental illness and then my second book out of office is a guide on how to get into freelancing and how to start your own business but when I wrote that I, I, I knew that mental health was going to be a keen like I wanted to make sure that was a big big part of it um, from getting started to setting your rates to how you build your schedule I didn't want it to be I didn't want mental health to be like one kind of token chapter in the book I wanted it to be you know kind of thought about in every aspect as a which wasn't hard because it is such a big part of my life I make so many decisions based on my mental health so so yeah so I do so I write books and I am writing a um, novel at the moment oh. my first fiction project oh, and exciting. I also run and I also run online writing courses and programs for people like me who think oh I would never be a writer I welcome everyone in and say you don't need any experience just come in and have fun and write and do the thing that you that you keep telling yourself you're not able to do just come and do it so yeah that's me wow wow that's amazing that is so cool I mean I've got so so many questions that are <laughs> bubbling up in my head that I'm not gonna be able to remember all of them um but things of the writing you mentioned obviously you didn't think that you know you would be writing full-time you know back in your sort of 20s was writing always something you loved to do but just never thought about it or was it literally like a, oh wow this is a skill that I've just got in my 20s no I definitely liked writing when I was a kid I was always, I was always creative as a kid and my mum was great, she always encouraged creativity, like we didn't, like we had toys and stuff but the thing we all loved to do was to draw and colour in and and doodle and she would always take us to art classes and stuff like that, so yeah I loved writing, I always kept a diary when I was a teenager um, and I, I found English at school really easy but I think I just, I never really saw it as, I've a never saw it as a skill because I, I genuinely I think when you're good at something naturally you just assume that everyone else is as well oh yeah totally <laughs> yeah you don't like, think co- anything of it yeah and I think a lot of writers get that imposter syndrome because they think why would someone pay me to write copy for them anybody could do this and it's like no like some people really struggle with it like because that's just second nature to me and and I guess I didn't realize it was actually a bit, a bit of a skill um so I didn't realize it was skill and b I didn't realize it was 
or I, got, I kind of got the, the subconscious message that it wasn't a viable career option. So, um, so when I was at school, I thought I'll either do music, I was really into music and really into art. I didn't think about doing English at uni because I thought the only thing I'd be able to do would be an English teacher and I didn't want to be an English teacher, which is quite mm. funny because now I actually <laughs> kind like, of, te- kind of teach writing to people on the internet. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I kind of just... I think a lot of people do this, like, after uni, they just kind of shut off this, like, um, or even not uni, just, like, and once you get into your 20s, you shut off that playful, childlike kind of side of yourself that has hobbies and has interests outside of work, and you think, I need to focus on my career. So I did that for, like, a decade and just didn't write anything um, until it just poured out of me like it didn't mm. feel like a choice it just was yeah. like oh you have to write now yeah, so absolutely. yeah it's always been a passion but never one that yeah. I guess one that I had a big break from yeah yeah that that's so true about you know I think when we get into our 20s we start to lose the almost childlike play wonder of things and you know we focus loads on you know career and stuff which is not a bad thing in itself but I think we do start to lose um the things we just do because we love it like you know when you're a kid you go to so many extracurricular activities and clubs and stuff and you know just all those different things and I think that's really important to find those things and if that hobby then could become a full-time career that's also great to be able to do the thing you love um and so obviously one of the main things you mentioned is when you were 26 you had a, a mental breakdown um obviously that is such a huge thing and you know obviously you're out of work for a year and um, the effect of that and also interesting that that has now really kind of shifted what you now focus on and you know what was going on do you think if you um hadn't had that mental breakdown maybe you would wouldn't be where you are now would you still be in the catering do you think a hundred percent yeah it was a big catalyst for me that like something needed to change I didn't I wasn't sure what I knew work was I knew work was difficult that I found working in traditional work environment hard um so yeah I knew that something had to change with that and it's funny yeah when you look back and think oh I wonder if that hadn't happened if I hadn't had a mental breakdown where would I be but I really think the way that my life unfolded like there's just no way that it wouldn't have happened like it was just even if I'd worked in another place um it's just, it just, there was just, I was just a boiling pot of water ready to <laughs> erupt at some point. And I think, I think everyone goes through something similar, even if it's on a smaller scale, like where you just, you just have that moment of like, no, I've been, pre- been pretending I'm okay for too long. Like I need to, I need to, yeah, see, see what else I can do to just have the flexibility to manage my mental health that's what I really it wasn't that I thought oh I need to find a job that I love that's going to make me feel great which luckily I have but what what I really wanted was I just need flexibility I need a I need a kind of calm environment I need um, kind of shorter working hours I need less responsibility and I think I'm a real big like I have so much time for people who work in hospitality and retail and catering because unless you've done that job you don't understand how 
what what a big weight is on your shoulders to appear a certain way every single day for the benefit of potentially like hundreds or thousands of people that come yeah. through the doors every Close. day Absolutely. and it, it it really is it really is so hard so I have so much sympathy when I go into shops and people aren't smiling or they seem stressed because it's so hard to do your job when you're mentally unwell but to do it and then also have to go over the top and have to pretend to be really smiley and happy to to keep your job basically because you're worried Mm. you'll get in trouble yeah yeah, yeah. that was that was the thing that I found really hard towards the end was I just can't my mental health was so unpredictable I I just couldn't guarantee that I was going to be have a cheery disposition between the hours of 10 and 4 (laughs) it was like just not gonna happen I can't schedule Um, it yeah yeah, but I knew I was capable. I knew I wanted to work. I knew I was capable of work. I just thought I need I need a a job that allows me to be a bit sad during the day, but also still be able to do my job. And that that is the case. Like if I'm depressed, I still I can still write. Um, I can if I'm anxious, I can still I can still write, or I can tweak my schedule so that you know I. Yeah, go and work out during the day and then mm. write at night time. So, yeah, yeah. yeah and I great. think that's what lots of people are finding now, like post or still mid pandemic, I suppose, that flexibility is what people need to to fit their job around their need, their own needs. Yeah, I think that's so true. And I think um, that's one of the things that always drew me to self-employment was that flexibility. It's like, what if one morning I'm feeling really rubbish and really down and you know I also went through a period of depression and anxiety and I don't suffer with it as much now but it really taught me it's like yeah you can't just be like oh it's all right depression won't affect me during the hours of nine to five on a Wednesday you know I can just like switch it off and that that's so so difficult to do and I think being able to you know find a career find a job that is flexible around your own health is if you can such an amazing thing and I know that you know that's still not possible for a lot of people um and that's really heartbreaking I was wondering whether you would be okay sharing a bit about how you started to notice that maybe you were starting to not do so good um when you were working in your um catering um business and stuff what was it that you start to notice, hmm, something's not right. Yeah, I was getting very short with people, very irritable. Um, I was going from, you know, I think just constantly and not realising it because I had no idea. I knew about a little bit about mental health, but back then I thought, oh, depression is you literally can't get out of bed. Anxiety is panic attacks. I didn't realise that I was really just in fight or flight mode and probably had been for about a year. So, so yeah, I was just like ready to fly off the handle at any second, had no patience because I was managing a team, like no patience for anyone, constantly expecting the worst every single day, a feeling of dread, uh, not like my brain, just not working in the usual way like I was I was learning to drive at the time and I drove on the wrong side of the road didn't even notice until my instructor was like yeah you're driving on the wrong side of the road oh my god um and and all those things that I think a lot of people have this when they're when they're ill or when they have a job that they really don't like is that you actually fantasize about getting quite badly injured so that you don't have to go to work 
So things like, oh, it'd be great if I broke a leg or uh, it'd be great if I got hit by a car, like that'd be good, then I wouldn't have to go to work. And yeah, so lots of kind of thoughts like that of, hmm, this, this doesn't seem right. And then, yeah, just like, you know, trouble sleeping, like no appetite, like drinking a lot more as well. It's just like all those little things that, that probably to other people that didn't seem that didn't seem someone in crisis but when you when you live with those symptoms constantly all day for like a year or so um they're just totally overwhelming and really painful so when I wrote all the symptoms down I was like right I can't yeah I kind of decided to face it and wrote all the symptoms down and thought that really does match up with what people are saying on the internet even though the voice in my head was like you're just lazy, like, stop trying to, I think in my head I thought, you're just trying to, trying to make it look like you've got depression so you can get time off, mm. um, but it was the other way around, it's like, no, you need time off because yes. you've got depression, yeah. um, and I used to hide in the toilets and cry, like, all the oh, time, bless you. but I just yeah. thought, oh, it's just me, I'm just not good enough at the job, like, I'm just, I'm just weak, because I was promoted quite young as well, um and I, yeah lots of the management were were older guys and I was a young woman and I kind of felt like you know there wasn't much sympathy and there wasn't much conversation around mental health so I just thought oh I'm just rubbish at my job like I'm failing I don't want anyone to see how bad I am and how much I'm struggling because they'll I don't know they'll like discipline me or whatever not that they would have but that's where no, your, that's where your mind goes isn't it yeah it is yeah oh wow that must have been really really tough to um to go through and then what would you say was the I guess the turning point or the moment where it was you know maybe you got signed off work or you know you thought actually no I really need to step away from all of this yeah there was a there was a couple of times over the space of I'd say a week or two weeks where I remember being in my office and picking up the phone and thinking I'm going to phone the doctor and then I put just put the phone back down and think no um so I remember doing that two or three times and then one day I, th- I don't know I just convinced myself I think just just make an appointment just see what they say and in my head I thought because I was just so tired I thought if I could just get two weeks off and I could probably just sleep this off and I'll I'll be fine um so I think that's what I, I thought oh, I'll just get two weeks of a sick line and rest and come back I just need a break I just really need a break um, so yeah, um, and that was my plan. But then when I went into the doctor with my my list of symptoms, I I just broke down and just started crying. And and she could see like you know this isn't nobody should be in this state. If you're just tired, you're not just tired. So yeah, it was really that. It's it's awful. It was that just that it, having somebody else say you're not coping has always been more validating than me saying I'm not coping I think a lot of people feel like that I agree I think so I think it's because you suddenly don't feel like you're overreacting or you're making it up or you know actually oh it's fine everyone goes through this didn't you know this is what life is like you know I think it is really comforting (laughs) for someone it sounds really weird for someone else to say yeah, you're not doing so good um, because it's actually, oh, okay, I'm not going crazy. Actually, a, a, a doctor, a medical professional, someone else is, is recognising that actually, no, 
this isn't right and that must must have felt in a way you know probably quite scary in a way of being like oh okay actually something is wrong with me but also quite of a release in a way to know that okay well then at least we can now do something about this um and actually it's being recognized and yeah I'm not I'm not making it up basically yeah yeah and my like weirdly like I've seen lots I've moved around a lot and I've seen lots of doctors over the years and I've always had sympathy from doctors so I've always had you know nine times out of ten I've always had a really positive experience with with GPs um so and I always try to tell people that like if you know if you're because I know it's not that's not the case for a lot of people but it can be it is possible that you'll have positive experience and if you have if you have a bad experience that doesn't mean that the next doctor you see isn't going to be amazing Mm. yeah absolutely so for anyone listening who maybe heard some of the things you're talking about and maybe is relating to either bits of it or maybe all of it or feels that maybe they're in a similar position what would you recommend to them or what 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 would you want to say to them right now yeah I think I would just say go to your doctor like you're not it's not in your head and don't don't wait until it gets to a point where you need you know really serious intervention when you see those little symptoms start to show just talk to somebody and sometimes sometimes even just talking about it is a thing that helps because you get into perspective you you realize that you not solve the problem but you kind of when you hear your own voice say you kind of realize oh actually I I do know what I need to do to make this better I know I need to uh, get back to the gym or I know I need to talk to my boss about not doing this big project or whatever so yeah like feeling that I suppose it's just like knowing that you deserve to be heard and you deserve a space to talk about what you're going through whether that's a friend or family or um or a a professional um just talk talk to somebody and if if people don't listen talk to somebody else yes (laughs) and don't don't take it personally if you like I've done this before where I'll reach out to a friend and say oh I'm really struggling and you just catch them you either catch them at a bad time or they've got their own stuff going on or the the phrase that you say to them in your head is you being like panic stations but actually the way they accept the way they kind of receive it is that you're just like feeling a bit rubbish like I, I find that a lot like the the way I ask for help other people don't read that as me asking for help. They just think that I'm kind of commenting, saying, oh, yeah, I feel a bit rough today. Whereas inside I'm screaming, help me, help me. <laughs> but yeah. I'm not really communicating it properly. Yeah. I always think, like, yeah, when I had my breakdown, I was like, how did nobody know I was struggling? And everyone was like, you, like, you, you were doing great, like, from the outside. Like, you're always, like, had your hair and makeup done. You're really busy, always sociable. Like, it just didn't look like anything was wrong. Whereas I thought, I'm crumbling. How can people not see? So, yeah, I think it's just, yeah, to talk to someone and be be really honest about how you are feeling. Don't try and spare anyone's feelings. Just be mm, honest. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think I think that's so true. And I think you're right in terms of if you, if you don't maybe get what you need from, from one person, maybe try someone else, you know, go, go and um, speak to someone else. And if you do find it hard to actually say out loud, oh I need help maybe 
write it down you know if you're again like yourself a writer and you know find that helpful or a creative or something you know sometimes even using you know art or you know something creative in order to share how you feel and sometimes it is hard literally to say I need help and so find some other way to do that you know writing down a letter can be um a really helpful way of doing that as well um and just really yeah, encourage you you don't you don't have to live like this you know it doesn't have to be like that and I think obviously for you Fiona you've you've seen that and you know you you're honest and say you know sometimes I still do struggle with these things I still do have depression and anxiety but I imagine and you seem in a much better place than when you were um back when you were 26 when it was all going through that um yeah absolutely um I think yeah the thing I've learned over the years is that it, I will always relapse. It will always be. I know some people can have a period of depression and then um, they never have it again. But I just, I think I'll just always struggle with it. But I just know that every time it happens, um, I have that those past experiences to draw on, and those I have that I can think logically. Right, this has happened before, and I have got through it before. And every time it happens, I kind of gain a new skill of like, yeah. oh, actually, it's quite good if you do this. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. It's easy to say that when you feel good of like, oh, it's a great learning experience. <laughs> At the time, you're like, I'd rather not. Thanks. Yeah, I'm okay. I don't need to learn anymore. Thank but you yeah, very much. I do. Um, yeah, I do find like I bounce back a bit quicker each time. Yeah. yeah. No, definitely. And I think sometimes it is. I think part of accepting mental health is not thinking, oh, it's something I need to fix like straight away. And if it comes back, then I failed. It. It. No, not at all. And some people they will just for whatever reason it might be there could be chemical imbalances or it could be you know events or just sometimes we just don't know it is something that might keep coming up but you're right I think you learn how to look after yourself in those times and your your resilience grows and you're able to bounce back and and I think part of it is not not being as afraid of it it coming up again I think often what is really horrible for people and I felt this is the fear of it coming back and Mm. you know I struggled with anxiety first before depression and I when I was talking to my counsellor about it she was I she noted that I felt very I was very accepting of my anxiety and that actually then it started to get a bit better from that but I was really resistant to feeling any kind of depression and I was like no 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 that's not me like I just push it away I really hate feeling this and then it wouldn't really get better um, because because of that. And I think actually once I started to accept, you know what, sometimes I'm going to feel really low or sometimes I'm going to go through this. It weirdly started to get better um, because mm-hmm. I think I wasn't putting as much fear on it. And actually I know I'll be okay if this comes up. I know what I need to do. I know what helps me. Um, other people around me, I've got my support system. So actually it will be okay and so it's it's really interesting sometimes to actually have to acknowledge and accept you know those feelings in order for yourself to start feeling better Mm. yeah oh well thank you so much Fiona for sharing all of that it's it's um I think it's gonna be so so helpful for people and you know I think I love how you're you're taking that and using it to help other people especially you know with recognizing you can go freelance you can if the employment world is you know not for you that there is other options you can do it and um i really love that so we'll take a little pause now and then we will come back and we'll talk about your emotional five
Okay, so we're back for our little break and I'm going to ask Fiona about the things that she does or tries to do most days in order to look after her own emotional health. So Fiona, what would you say is one of your, well, your your first five a day? Yeah, so the first thing I do every morning after I take my meds is have a coffee. (laughs) And I was was saying to you earlier, I was like, I know that just sounds like I just like coffee. I do like coffee, Um, but... I have really realised that um, co- coffee is great for my depression. Mm. It really, it's as close as I can get to a high as me having yeah. one coffee a day. It <laughs> just, it just yeah. seems to just because I'm not a morning person, right? So mm. if I if I wake up and that that kind of grumpiness of the morning isn't kind of elevated quickly it, it could quick it could then just linger and and be my my personality <laughs> I don't want that to be the case so um and I know a lot of people feel this way that like yeah like if they're going through a depressive episode like a little bit more coffee I can mm. really just give them that get their motor running yeah. to do the things that they that they need to do to feel better so it could be like right that'll give them the energy to go a walk or to get in the shower or those little things that we all struggle to do when we're depressed um and yeah so I've spoken to my, my therapist about this and she's like yeah like have the coffee because I think like when you start like I'm sober so like when you start giving up things you think oh should I give up coffee as well and I was like no come on it's <laughs> no, like the you. one thing the yeah. one thing that you get to enjoy each day so so yeah Absolutely. coffee coffee Great. is my like my drug of choice <laughs> I love it absolutely I mean of your drug of choices it's really not that bad um and I think actually I think you're you're right I think sometimes you know I think in the wellness world it's I think coffee's one of those things that's often seen like oh see if you can cut out all coffee and you know wake up and have you know green tea or something like that and obviously if that's your thing go for it drink your green tea I mean I don't like coffee so I don't drink coffee but I love tea so I can't give up my morning cup of tea but I think also it's like not feeling not feeling guilty that actually it's like, oh, no, this actually does help me. It gives me a little boost and it's, you know, it's not going to really do that much damage to me. And it's better than feeling really low the rest of the day and all of that. So I think that's fantastic. Do you have a like certain mugs that you use in the morning? I'm, I'm a bit like, yeah, OK. <laughs> yeah. Well, not that I have a certain mug, but I, ha- yeah. I have my favourites and like my, yes. my morning ritual, like my favourite thing in the morning is what mug am I going to use? Like, it's like, it's like, what am I going to wear today? It's like part of my identity. Like, what yeah. mug will I use today? <laughs> I think it just gives you that small sliver yeah. of control over your day of like, I just, re- I did realise it recently that I just love picking a mug. I love picking oh. a mug in the morning. It's so sad. <laughs> oh no, it's not at all. I love it so much. I'm exactly the same. Um, absolutely love it. Um, oh, that's brilliant. Okay, so first five day is to have cup of coffee in the morning in a lovely chosen mug um and so what would you say is your number two what's your second five a day yeah so my number two is to limit the number of coffees that I have each day nice so it's kind of a not not to do this thing um so two coffees max so one in the morning and then maybe one in the afternoon but not always because I just know that and this is the balancing act is that I have depression and anxiety so Coffee uh, lifts my depression if I'm in a bit of a funk, uh, but it also triggers my anxiety. So 
I've had this conversation with my therapist of like, I just feel like I have to pick between the two and like, you know, would I rather be depressed or anxious? And she's like, well, which one would, and I was like, I'd much rather be anxious, slightly anxious because at least I get things done when I'm anxious. Like, like I think a lot of people find that like it, it's energy and it kind of gets you moving sometimes, like yeah. even though it's horrible to experience. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, more than more than two, then it will start to trigger my anxiety. And if I'm going through a really like bad anxiety kind of mm. period or something in particular is making me anxious, I know to pull back on coffee. Yeah. So okay. it's yeah. A, um, or mm. to replace it with a matcha. A matcha is actually. Mm quite nice because it's it's caffeine but it's not it kind of I think it like releases over time so you don't get that big spike yes yeah Um, so sometimes that's a nice alternative yeah no that's great yeah one of my um good friends Cheska she has um a matcha all the time she doesn't drink coffee and stuff and yeah and I didn't realize it had caffeine in it but I think I was researching it and yeah it's it's not as big of a spike um that that coffee gives you um and yeah it's interesting you say about sometimes it feels like a choice between would I rather be a bit depressed or a bit (laughs) anxious and sometimes it is that and that's okay because you again know how to sort of manage you know which one you choose and a little bit of anxiety is not actually a necessary really bad thing and you know anxiety um as i've talked about in this podcast comes from that fight or flight response and it comes from um protection and that kind of thing but and sometimes you need a little bit of that to be you know like i often talk about this with my dad who used to be a police officer all the all um for his career and he's like a little bit of anxiety helps him to do that his job better because it keeps him a bit on edge keeps Mm. him a bit aware of what's going on I felt the same when I was doing emotional well-being sessions with young people you know with that safeguarding stuff I'd feel a little bit anxious but it means I'm more tuned in to what's what's going on so a little bit actually is never a really bad thing but you're right it's making sure that it then if it becomes over overstimulated and over too much basically then yeah definitely a good thing to sort of pull back on that um that's fab i love that so both coffee related um things on your two five day which i really love and appreciate um what was your third so what's your third five a day yeah it'd be some sort of movement so to be honest ideally walking i just i love walking uh, after the driving incident i've never learned to drive so I walk everywhere. I've always um, lived in a city or somewhere with a train station. So if I can, if I can walk somewhere, I will. Or I'll be normally be like walking to public transport. Um, but yeah, I just love to walk around, listen to podcasts, listen to audiobooks, or not listen to anything at all and just just walk around and just I don't know. It just like feels like progress. It feels like movement it feels as in like feels like you're moving forward even when you feel stuck yeah yeah that's fab I think that's right I think you know when you feel stuck uh, it's literally moving forward you are unless you choose to walk backwards which I wouldn't recommend because you can't see where you're going but you're actually doing a physical movement of right we're gonna we're gonna get going even if I feel mentally a bit stuck or my mind feels a bit stuck my body doesn't have to be right now and that could start you know triggering all sorts of things in your body to then help your mind get going um so I I really love that I love that idea of thinking if you feel a bit stuck move your body because yeah your your body doesn't have to be stuck um which is really cool um fab love that number four then what would you say is your fourth one so kind of similar is just fresh air um so 
and getting, yeah, so going a walk or if I can't go a walk um, would be just to stand outside. <laughs> like literally, like I'm so lucky to have a garden. I didn't have a garden in all of lockdown, but to, yeah, we've got a garden now. So in the morning, just opening the door, like standing outside with my coffee and my mug um, and just like remembering that there is an outside world because I work from home. So there, you know, if there could be weeks where I didn't, if I didn't have to leave the house, I wouldn't have to. Um, and I try not to get in that in that situation. So, um, and when I was really struggling with my mental health and my physical health last summer, um, my therapist was asking me what you know what makes you feel better, and I said, well, getting outside in the fresh air. I know being in nature and stuff helps, but physically I couldn't do it because of my mm. my health. And she said, well, what's stopping you just sitting outside and being mm. out in nature that way? And I was like, oh, nothing. <laughs> so <laughs> so I think that reframing that as not not focus on what I can't do, but focus on what I can do. And so, yeah, so I really enjoy if I can't go a walk, sitting outside and just being mindful. So like leaving my phone inside, sitting with my coffee and just listening to the sounds, looking at the sky mm-hmm. and just kind of mindfully really enjoying my coffee yeah. and getting the vitamin D as well is just yes, such a, yeah. makes such a difference. So yeah, being I, outside. I love that. I'm literally just writing down that quote that you just said, focus on not, not focus, not on what you can't do, but focus on what you can do. Um, and I think that is just really, really powerful because I think often when we're feeling not great or whether that phys- physically or mentally we think of all the things oh I'd usually be able to do this or I'd usually be able to do that or why can't I do this other people can do this da, da, da. and actually that's just not helpful because it's just remind reminding you or making you focus on things you don't have or you can't do for whatever reason and that's not going to help you feel better so just focus on what you can do is that can you make your bed can you get changed you might not be able to get changed you might not be able to get out of bed but can you talk to a friend on the phone can you um watch your favorite tv show um can you go out and sit outside um i can't walk but i can i can get myself to sit on a chair and outside and i think that's a really really good thing for for everyone to remember anyway as well um so i love that that's really nice and yeah i also didn't have a garden during lockdown and all my days the first lockdown it was so sunny and it was so warm and we were I was in a second floor flat with no outdoor space and it was it that was really torture hard. wasn't it <laughs> absolute torture and you could I, you could go out for a walk but you couldn't just go and sit somewhere and I was like I just want to sit somewhere I don't want to I don't want to keep walking I just want to lie in the sun somewhere um anyway so that's lovely that you've got a garden now I bet that really really helps um lovely and then what's your final one your final five day yeah my final one is to connect with friends on whatsapp <laughs> via voice note so i am a big voice note fan um i just i think it all stemmed from being self-employed and working from home like years and years ago um and realizing that i could go all day and not hear the sound of my own voice <laughs> and not and not really talk to anyone or connect with anyone like 
you kind of don't you don't get those water cooler moments that you do mm. when you work in a regular job so mm. um all my it's, it's more so I'd say with my other self-employed friends we like to voice note each other if we've got ideas or if we're like got a tricky client or we're struggling with something or if we've just like you know like my friend messaged me the other day to say like I've just scheduled all my emails for the new thing that I'm launching and, I, and like nobody else cares other than another self-employed person so yeah. I'm just tell me I did good <laughs> um, so yeah sending voice notes to people like helps me feel connected and also there's just that thing of hearing your voice saying the thing that you're struggling with or however you're feeling just really helps you to almost look at yourself from the outside and think oh what does that person need like what like I don't know it just helps you feel kind of detached but in a helpful way yeah yeah I like voice yeah. notes yeah I love that yeah I love a voice note too although sometimes I let them build up and then I'm like I've got so many to listen to so I need to get in a better habit of like always just listening to it as soon as I get it um because otherwise I'm like right I've got to set aside half an hour of my time to listen to a whole conversation, <laughs> voice, <yeah>. whole conversation <laughs> and different people's um things so yeah absolutely I've got um, one, I've got note. one friend who he mm. leaves he leaves me like he's left me a 30 minute voice note before oh my gosh <laughs> and he minutes. I know and ah. when he listens to my voice notes he takes notes so that the, <laughs> so that when he then records his voice note he, he starts with an agenda <laughs> it's really funny <laughs> Oh, so I love funny. that. So in today's voice note, yeah. we are going to be covering... Oh, I love that so much. I'd say when it's a longer voice note, I do start to like just make some notes because I'm like, I can't, I won't be able to remember I know. everything that you said. And I really want to reply to all of it because I really care. Mm. Um, oh, I love those so much. So Fiona, just to finish off, could you just quickly run through those five again? What, what, what was your five a day? Yeah, so it was have a coffee in the morning. Um then don't have too many coffees <laughs> to match the anxiety. Third thing was um, some sort of movement, ideally walking. Fourth was to get outside and enjoy fresh air and vitamin D. And the fifth was to send voice notes to friends. Oh, I love them so, so much. Well, Fiona, thank you so, so much for coming on the podcast and chatting to me and being so open and vulnerable I know it's going to be so helpful for so many people um where can people find you and where can they get your books and all of that like I want people to come and find out and follow along your journey so yeah, yeah. Tell, tell the listeners where yeah, you are so if you search Fiona Thomas on Amazon or um, bookshop.org or any other good bookshop you will be able to get my two books depression in a digital age or out of office out of office is also available on audiobook so if you use audible you can you can listen to it on there um, yeah both books are available and you can check out my website which is fiona likes to blog.com and you can find out more about my courses and programs and stuff on there amazing that's so good well we'll link it all in the episode description as well so feel free to go um, check that out but fiona thank you so much again for coming on it's been such a joy getting thank to know you. you and chatting to you um and we'll speak to you soon awesome thank you bye What an inspiring and amazing interview. I think it's so brave when people come and share, you know, how they are and also, you know, being so open about that and 
being honest about how you know they they still do struggle and that's okay and it doesn't always have to be fixed and I think that's so so important to remember mental health isn't something that is just you know experienced once and then you know that that's it actually it's something we you know well we all experience mental health but if we struggle with it it sometimes might come back and that's okay and learning ways to be resilient and look after yourself is so so important so thank you so so much Fiona for coming on it was such a joy to talk to you and get to know you yeah please do check her out um I know she's also got a podcast too and obviously she's got the books and they're on Instagram so I'm just going to link everything in the episode description for you so do go check her out and support her as she continues her amazing writing journey and yeah we'll be back next week with another episode as always um and i hope you guys are doing really well and enjoy the rest of your week and we will speak to you soon bye